I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Tonight, folks, obviously you read the title. We're going to be talking about Shooter McRae's amazing shot on video zombie film, Shatter Dead which honestly is one of my favorite shot on video horror films ever. It's up in the top five easily of them. And it's a perfect example of somebody recognizing um, the limitations of budget and resources and maximizing what they had available to them to the nth degree. Um, the, the movie itself, and we'll, we'll get into it more, um, post uh, the first break here, but we dig through tons and tons and tons of no budget, micro budget shot on video um, underground films here on the podcast to search and seek out the stuff that we think you should take your time and actually go check out. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there that do the same thing. Best podcast, and I'll always praise these guys, and I always point people to them as No Budget Nightmares. Those boys go through the fucking dirt and shit. <laughs> yeah, they do. And I mean, they watch they watch some really bad stuff, but they also come across some real awesome, like stuff that just got buried and forgotten and we all thought it was lost to cinematic oblivion, but there's something to people that, that like um, the DIY punk aesthetic that, that like outsider art that like people that do not care about conforming to not only cinematic rules, but societal rules about what can and can't be shown and what can and can't be talked about that shot on video horror appeals to at least that's what drew like once it it sunk its nails into me the shot on video like subgenre i guess you could call it of horror there's really nothing like it, mm -hmm. it, it, it there's a high hurdle that you have to cross in order to get into it i fully recognize that and we keep bringing that up and i'm really happy when i see anybody cross that barrier because at first, I have a feeling, and it happened. It was it happened to me. It probably happened to every last person that rented one of these movies back in the day, or that stumble across them now. Is that you have most of these movies have amazing, like posters and box art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you get the movie, and you're like, "Holy shit, this looks like <laughs> garbage! Like this isn't a movie." What is this in that bait and switch is, <laughs> I think, what soured a lot of people to this stuff and instantly made them reject it. But those of us back in the day, and maybe that's why there's appreciation for this, is that us horror fans that used to go to those VHS stores and 
go th- back into the alcove where they always had the horror movies because all the good mom and pop video stores had that section where you'd walk back into it and it'd be horror and it'd be decked out and it'd have the lights turned down and there'd be red <laughs> lights and green lights and you go back there it looks like a castle or a dungeon or some shit and you would go in there and literally look through every box turn it over read what it is and just when the good stuff was out you went for the second tier and when that stuff was out you went for the third tier and as horror fans you know we're just insatiable for trying to find good horror films and back in the day man when we rented that stuff and it was a bait and switch we got it home we watched it anyway because we spent money on it <laughs> we didn't <laughs> want to waste it and usually you had it for a couple days so it's like well I might as well make the best of this. And through that, I watched a ton of stuff. And I have a feeling that's why this stuff started to take off is that the the covers were great and horror fans are just insatiable and are willing to you like put aside the technical limitations when they're presented something that one is interesting and two is fucked up and dark. (laughs) (laughs) And some of this stuff is, most of it's goofy. A lot of shot on video stuff that has uh, pushed past, you know, the oblivion stage and that has stayed in the public consciousness, at least in the underground scene, is usually goofier stuff because it's a little more palatable. And anything that's funny, usually you don't have to sit and worry too much about, you know, okay, well, this looks like dog shit, but it's making me laugh. So it's a little easier to palette where the serious, the more serious stuff like tonight's movie Shattered Dead is a tougher pill to swallow because usually the acting isn't all that great in these kinds of movies and they're usually really slow. Mm-hmm. So I some of these movies, it's there's a ton of them and most of them suck. I think, Mark, we can say that during the turkey challenge this last month, uh. we watched a couple of those. Uh. Oh, like dead is dead in the burning dead. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that night when we watched those two things? Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. No, but then other times you find things like Shooter McRae's Shatter Dead. And I'm extremely excited tonight, folks, to sit and talk with you all about this movie that I know underground fiends know about. But the vast majority of people, I don't think do, and they should. So we're going to take a short break. I'm going to play. There's been some really great ambient black metal I've been listening to lately. And there's a there's a Norwegian guy that goes under the name Aldemar that just put out a new record. And I want to play for you a track off of it. It's pretty mellow. It's pretty atmospheric. It's grand, but it's also black metal, so it's got some screamy stuff and some dark, you know, really thrashy guitars. Hope you guys dig it. When we get back, Mark and I are going to dig deep into this quote-unquote shot on video classic Shattered Dead. So stick around. We'll be right back.
live your life without a home, without a job, and you're going to grow old and decrepit and die. Except you won't die, because nobody dies anymore. And you're going to spend the rest of eternity wandering the face of the earth in that pathetic state, just wishing you could lay down and rest like people did in the good old days. But you can't. Not anymore. Look at that tree. That tree is the end. That's how clear it is to me. The end. Does that scare you? Prepare to be physically challenged! Jesus, you're good. Good. Jesus was the best. It's not the brain, but the soul. How do you kill the soul? I don't need to scare you, but I'm going to be scared. Nobody trusts anybody anymore. I'm sorry to hear about that. Life's not fair. Neither is death. What's your name, lady? Susan. There you see. No scars to hide. Only shame. When I first saw Shattered Dead was way back in the day. I rented it on VHS and took it home. And what immediately pulled me in was that cover. You have a cover that has a hole in a wall that's just dripping with blood. And there's a woman with a handgun peering through it like she had just made that hole and blew someone away. And that cover was so dynamic that I was just like, holy fuck, I need to see this movie. And when I took it home, I I expected it to be a normal zombie movie because that's how it's sold is that it's a, a regular like ghoul Romero style zombie film. But what you get is definitely not <laughs> that type of film. Mark, do you want to give a quick synopsis as to what Shattered Dead is? It's basically a story about a woman trying to get home in this uh, post uh kind of i guess apocalyptic world if you will where uh people when they die they come back but uh not all of them come back like the you know your romero zombies they're just dead and they come back uh it, it just depends on how badly they were killed uh at, at the time of death and so we get the story of this woman who runs across different situations uh and different characters as she's just trying to get back to her place and to her boyfriend uh, and of course, uh, things go dark and you learn a lot about this world that she lives in. Yeah, it's kind of a road movie, isn't it? It is. It, it very much felt like a road movie, which I didn't expect considering the first opening few minutes of this movie. <laughs> Do you want to talk about <laughs> that opening scene where two female angels are fucking each other? Yeah, it just it suddenly the, <laughs> the film opens and you you see one one woman acting kind of an ecstasy and you're like okay and all of a sudden it cuts to another uh, okay and so this scene goes on for a little while then all of a sudden okay okay let's pull back a second here yeah. Mark how exactly is she giving her ecstasy uh, from behind uh, with <laughs> doing two angels are doing a doggy style which take that. okay so one's pegging the other yeah. and we only the only reason we know that there are angels is that all of a sudden mid thrust the one that's doing the pegging sprouts wings yeah. 
I'm just like, holy crap. I mean, like, wow, I did not expect. And the wings looked good, too. I'm like sitting here going, okay, did not expect that. And that scene happens, and then they start the credits. And you're like, okay. (laughs) And then I don't think we ever get an explanation of really what that was. Uh, But you're meant to kind of piece it together. (laughs) how did you how did you interpret what that was after we had watched the film because the film itself as you had described is mostly a road story about this female protagonist whose name is susan who is who has gone to the grocery store to get provisions and gets uh, led astray by the various quote-unquote dead people Mm -hmm. she runs across and then fanaticism of, of this religious cult that sees that this apocalypse that has happened is a sign from God that living is no longer what God wants and that this is the new rapture, that God is calling upon the human race to live on and make the world in his vision where we can set aside all war, all famine, all... um, all anger, all sin, because sex is no longer a thing. Uh, violence is no longer a thing, even though that's quite hypocritical because there's roaming hordes of people trying to kill off the living for some unknown reason, even though they don't eat on them, but it doesn't matter. So anyways, so it's this whole world that's built where she has to navigate her way through to try and find her boyfriend, where zombieism being dead is seen as a fashion is being seen as exploitation. The human race is caught in an existential crisis of, do you really want to age and become old? Or would you rather, like vampirism, die and stay the way that you see yourself right now forever? And uh, we never quite get a good explanation as to why this has happened, other than uh, priests uh, or a preacher man, this kind of head of a cult spouting off a bunch of mumbo jumbo about, you know, this is the will of God and all this other bullshit. Um, and the only real flash we get to an explanation is this introductory scene with these two angels fucking each other. Because that's the all we can imply is that this is the reason why this happened mm-hmm. is these two angels did something wrong and have cursed the entire human race. I mean, is that how you kind of interpreted it? Yeah, that's how I took it. And um, it wasn't until after the film, when I looked up, you know, some stuff on it and looked up on IMDb, that's exactly, I think part of the description. It said something about like the angel of death uh, has sex with someone or something. And it, it causes this apocalypse. And, I got that from the film that I wasn't quite sure what the characters were. I just knew that whatever that scene was in the beginning must have been the cause for uh, all the way things were in the world, you know, uh, with the dead coming back to life. Um, You you can kind of piece that together just because of uh, the wings coming out and that during that scene, you're just like, okay, this has some kind of significance. And then the religious theme that runs through this, uh, with the preacher, you're, you you can kind of put two and two together. And that's what I did anyways. I figured, okay, I wasn't quite sure what the angels were. I just figured, yeah, okay, that event triggered this, you know, um, and which was cool. I thought it, you know, but for me, you know, I, 
I don't always need a, and you have that pardon my soapbox and get off my lawn moment, but you have that problem with a lot of the films today, the horror films where they've got to give a reason for whatever plague or whatever thing is happening. There's, there's gotta be a solid like, Oh, explanation in detail and exposition or, you know, discovery or whatever. And in this one, they kind of have this scene in the beginning and it's up to you on whether you figure that's what caused it or if this is just the way things are and who knows what the cause is. I, you know, I like either. I, I like that approach almost more than you going, okay, look, here's what happened. You find a scientist or a guy who starts talking about, well, this is why this happened. Right. Well, I think, that's what I kind of like about this movie a lot is that it presents a lot of ideas and kind of hands it to you to kind of sort out while a lot of the themes are very religious in nature and it's very pervasive through the entire film. A lot of Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. is, is tossed in here and Christianity and the thought of the rapture and the end of the world and God's will. And then you're presented with the lead character, Susan, who, while it's not explicitly stated, isn't necessarily a religious person. She's never presented as having an opinion here or there on the situation. And she's kind of just, I don't know if she's supposed to be the vessel for the viewer as like the impartial person going through and trying to like sort out what's going on and being presented to her. But I always took her character as the the antithesis of that whole fanatical religious thought is that she is um, the atheist trying to sort out the, the big question is, really what would happen to us as a, as a people if we could never die mm-hmm. not only from a religious angle and theological angle but from a sociological angle and a religious angle um and a scientific angle is to what what would happen to us as people if this was presented to us where um you have a choice to either live out your life and die naturally but then that will have its own consequences because then whenever you do eventually die, that form of your body will then live on in perpetuity. That will be what you have to live with for the rest of your life. So it also deals with the vain nature of us as people. Um, did you feel at any point, Mark, that some of these themes like it, it is a very heavy movie there? It's very talky, <laughs> even though there's lots of gore. <laughs> It's very dark. It is mostly a movie about ideas and about um, philosophical ideas on um, existential problems in societal, sociological problems. Did you ever feel at any point that this movie was a little heavy handed or did you kind of like that this movie, because it's slower and there's more talking um, that it gave it, it breathed enough for you to be able to take these in? And, and kind of like sort them out in your head as they were presented to you. Yeah. I never felt like it got uh, like it was heavy handed or preachy or trying to pound an idea in, you know, a specific idea in your head. It was presenting different examples. I mean, you mentioned it, you know I mean? We get this preacher 
uh, who is leading, you know, the thinks this is God's, you know, will. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't reject it. You should embrace this. And, you know, he's not afraid at all of the dead, uh, which we find another reason out why later, uh, you know, so you've got that angle. You got the, um, when she gets put in, uh, well, you got her even, she runs across the guy who is the neighborhood watch, who is uh, a guy who's protecting his, uh, you know, his neighborhood, his block. And he, he drops a line about using bullets on neighbors when it's like, you know, he, this guy just offs people. If they give him a hard time, you get the impression of anyway, you know. Yeah, but what's the point of offing anybody? Because what does it do? Yeah. It, I mean, the people are still alive and the only explanation we're given to is like the incentive for killing anybody is to punish them for the rest of their existence, which is forever by kind of like crippling them. Yeah, crippling them or or uh, mutilating their image in some way. I mean, you know, and then you've got the like the young there's there's a perspective of the young in this world through the girl that uh our hero meets when she's at that boarding house overnight uh, who talks about, Oh, Hey, why don't you die? And then you could stay young forever. It's like, Holy shit. It's scary, but you could also see a lot of people taking that approach. If it for sure meant, you know, when you die that you knew for sure you'd come back. Well, Hey, why not die young? And then you have, yeah, you stay beautiful forever. Yeah. You just got to keep moving around. So the blood doesn't pool in your ass. Um, (laughs) Which, which made me think like that entire time when she was saying that scene, I'm like, well, why don't you just why don't you just drain the blood out? Yeah, because you'd still live. They didn't they never established that if you run out of blood, you would die. Um, well, they do kind of, though, because then the then we get another perspective. That is the the perspective of racism as the guys show up. The one guy who looks like a Howard Stern reject. Um, <laughs> the guy in the onesie jumpsuit yeah. with the with the fucking afro yeah. comes in and starts spouting a new uh, manifesto, and these guys go through, start killing all these people that apparently are all dead uh, in this house. Um, at least that's the impression I got. No, not not all of them are dead. And what we're referring to, folks, is that um, because this movie is kind of a meandery road movie where it's just Susan going from point A to B to C to D in order to get to her house, you, you just go through. It's almost like a vignette style where you're just going through certain situations and you move on to the next situation. You move on to the next situation and she finds her way into this boarding house to stay for the night after the neighborhood watch guy leads her there and says, hey, you can't be out on the streets. You can't sleep in your car. You need to have somewhere to stay at night. So please, because there's a martial law in order. I don't know how like any sort of authoritarian presence could change anything or mean anything at that point in that world. But he leads her to this house where we, we don't find out immediately, but it's run by the preacher man for and it's a, a home for living people and dead people, but they don't ever state who uh, is living and who is. Oh dead. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cause she, she was even afraid. She didn't want, uh, she didn't want her to uh, be outed that she was dead while she was in the house. That's right. So some people in there were alive and some people were dead, but these guys just come in and, and annihilate everyone in, <laughs> in the house, including the pregnant lady. Holy shit. Uh, 
Oh yeah, that would that present that was a very interesting I, scene, and that pr- presents more weird ideas as to like the nature of living and what is life. When does it start? Does it start when you're just a tiny little fetus? Because this woman's pregnant and she gets shot in the back with a shotgun and she doesn't die. She basically lives on with a big hole in her belly and pulls out a fetus who is then living. Yeah. It has to be a fetus forever, forever. <laughs> for eternity. Weird. This movie is so full of fucked up weird <laughs> ideas. But anyways, yeah. So you have pseudo uh, Howard Stern coming in here, shooting the place up, Re- reading the manifesto. Kind of. You mentioned, uh, you know, you men- mentioned the the you know Christian Judeo uh, Roman Catholicism type of themes, and it kind of reminded me of like a Roman soldier going from you know. <laughs> Going from home to home, uh, annihilating those who are uh, not believers, if you will. Uh, you know, it's just it's got all kinds of imagery in just one scene. And we just got our hero in there who's like, oh, Jesus, just trying to survive. <laughs> and yeah, right. It it seems like this guy doesn't the preacher man and the and the guy that's part of this. Because I, I, I took that scene as being part of there was a scene that happened right before it where uh, the preacher man he had kind of like a gathering mm-hmm. of his follower followers and basically like professed this new world order where he saw this as the rapture and that death would bring everyone together and there would be no more war. There'd be no more materialism. There would be no more need for sin ever again in this world. And that this is what God wanted and wanted to cleanse the earth. And this is his cleansing. So I took that, that guy that went into that house was part of that cult in order to cleanse all of the houses. Cause he knew there were dead and living there. I got you. Sure. I mean, did you ever catch that I, or cause the movie doesn't really explicitly state that, but I kind of took that as that. That's what was I, happening for me. It wasn't quite clear to me if they were with him or just some rogue group of of individuals, if you will, rednecks, if you will, for for lack of a better term. But you know, uh, guys who who just uh, have taken it upon himself because, like you said, yeah, there's really they mention martial law, but it almost makes me wonder if uh, that wasn't fully true. You know, if that neighborhood watch guy was just something that their neighborhood group came up with, it's never really clear because you don't really see any authoritative body as far as actual or presence whatsoever police or anything. So, you know, I just took this group and and now that you mention it, it makes more sense because for me, I just took this group as a group of crazy guys who are taking advantage of the, of this fact that we're kind of in this kind of wild west apocalyptic world and going through and annihilating people because they enjoy it um you know or they're that they're crazy uh you know and in him reading off his thing about the new world order and such were seemed a little bit different than what the preacher was saying so i wasn't quite sure if they were with the preacher or just another crazy faction going around uh being able to shoot people because they can. Well, that seems to be a big running theme in this is that the lack of consequences that happen now in a world where nobody dies. And what does that mean anymore? What does anything mean anymore? Do we need to worry about what happens? 
I mean, the dead people, obviously, what do they have to gain? What do they have to lose? There's just as much lawlessness as there would have been mm-hmm. beforehand. So it presents a lot of really heady ideas as to what we are as a society, what we are as creatures and what we are as moral beings. And uh, for that, for a shot on video horror film is unprecedented. Oh, yeah. You don't normally see stuff this heady in this genre. And when I first saw this movie, when I rented it, I don't think I was ready for it. (laughs) I walked in, I rented this thing and watched it and was kind of like, oh, this wasn't a zombie movie. What the fuck was this? I don't know what the hell this is. And I think it took me a number of times watching this because I could recognize there was something there because there you can't just watch a movie like this and not have some sort of reaction to mm-hmm. it. I mean, it begs you to sit and think about it and it sticks in your head because the movie is very surreal and has a lot of really shocking sequences in it that will stick with you probably forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not just talking about the opening pegging sequence between the angels. Oh, my Lord. There's a gun blowjob scene. The death squad with the dude in the jumpsuit. There's a woman breastfeeding an unborn child after it's dead. There's a scene where somebody gets fucked with a gun. (laughs) There's just so much. There's so many weird sequences in this movie that for shock fans alone, there you won't forget this no you won't forget this but regardless of the fact that it has all of this stuff in here the movie is edited so perfectly it is there's not that tendency in these movies where a lot of them were made you know uh vcr to vcr with loose edits you know, because you can't do tight editing with VCR to VCR editing. It's just not possible because the motors inside of the VCRs don't ever start up the same way. So it's almost impossible for you to get those cuts right. This obviously was edited in a different fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and it was edited wonderfully. It shot not particularly dynamically, but it does the right things and makes what it does, which is... Honestly, there's not a lot of camera movement. It's a pretty static movie, but it's lit so well in dynamically in certain sequences that it's striking. Mm -hmm. I think maybe some people would see it as boring, but I think there's enough flair there that beyond the shock sequences and beyond the thematic things, it's an aesthetically pleasing movie to watch for shot on video uh, shot on video film. Would you agree with any of that, Mark? Uh, totally. I, I would say it surprised me how well put together this film was. And in fact, the only real telling that you could tell, you know, uh, that this was uh, one of these closer to do it yourself videos than, uh, say, a per- quote unquote professional one at that time is the fact of, of the quality itself of some of the sets and everything and a little bit of the audio. But outside of that, the editing is fantastic in this. The writing is surprisingly deep and and well acted, too. I mean, especially, you know, with our lead here, people are actually playing 
characters because of films like this, you know, people are working on no budget. So they grab their buddies and here, read these lines. And usually it can come across as here. I'm reading these lines. <laughs> I may be reading the newspaper, but I actually have my, sh- my script right in front of me behind the newspaper. And that's what I'm reading. Uh, but this one really was just solid in so many aspects compared to a lot of the other shot on video out there that, yeah, it is. As you mentioned it, it's tight. I mean, even, you know, uh, it, camera angles and continuity, which usually uh, takes a bit of a sacrifice in films like these, uh, everything you could tell there was a tension. There was <laughs> there was a lot of care involved in this film, which surprised me, uh, you know, and I'm not saying uh, the other ones made people didn't really care. But this one just it it's yeah, they are making they're working within their limits, but they are making, uh, trying to make the realest, most uh, complete film they could with what they had, and they they ace it in spades. Yeah, it's the only thing that I ever took away is kind of showing its hand, obviously behind the visual aesthetic of being shot on video, is some of the acting is a little spotty. It, for some of the other characters, yeah, for the you know some of the care but her the, our main character though i thought she did really good but yeah you're you know you're there some of the side characters in that they're played up just a, a wee bit much or not at all um but they're usually not on screen too long to where uh you know it's distracting versus some films no. that i've seen to where you're just like oh my god you know you're, yeah you're like what are you oh ow <laughs> you know yeah, and and some people may uh, be put off by some of like the first fifteen minutes of this and some of the acting because it feels a little stiff. But if you stick with it, I think uh, our lead character Susan, played by Stark Raven, puts in an extremely dynamic performance mm-hmm. for a shot on video film with non actors. She she has to carry this extremely heavy material and show a lot of the subtext through her body and through like her face and facial expressions. I mean, the entire like crux of the ending of this movie is weighed on her with a scene where she's looking in a mirror and she has to sell what the emotion and what the idea is at the end of the movie using only her eyes Mm -hmm. and it's it's unbelievable it like blew me the fuck away and and that is something like that is pervasive through this entire movie so if you can get past that stuff i mean there's a lot to chew on here mark what were you about to say i was just gonna say the uh what got me with that was where she was a great bookmark for that and and what helped me put into context that this film was uh, above uh, a lot of the other stuff shot on video was just the scene like you're mentioning where she's got to convey with her eyes like holy crap and then she takes the water drop from the faucet and puts it on her eye because she can't cry (laughs) like oh damn i'm like how is this in this film you know what i mean i'm just like it is unbelievable it's seriously this is a movie that i'm so glad we finally got to 
Um, and I, I think you and I have discussed this off air. And um, this year has kind of been the year of shot on video horror here on Astro Radio Z. And going forward into 2018, we're going to continue on with this series. We're going to keep going because not only one, I see how giddy you are about these <laughs> shot on video horror films, yeah. Mark, and I love it. So it's inspiring me to want to keep giving you more and more shot on video horror films. But I also want to watch them. But it's a movie like this where I so want more people to know about this because not just as a shot on video horror film, but as a horror film, this is significant. Mm -hmm. This is a film that any self-respecting horror fan should like because this is the type of horror film where it, it, it not only has a lot of care taken to its aesthetic and to its craft, but to its story. Most of the shit we see nowadays coming from the underground or coming from the indies or coming anywhere doesn't give a fuck about its mm. story, about having an overall theme, about having something that's weighting it down that makes you walk away from it thinking about it afterward no and shatter dead does 100 percent. and coming from the underground and coming from shot on video cinema it's so unique it, and this is one of those movies i think needs to be talked about more it really does now let's let's get into a little bit more about some of these characters that we have here we were talking about susan and how she's kind of the vessel for the viewer and how she doesn't have a lot of dialogue in this movie. She's mostly a character that is walking, that is trying to get home and has to deal with and, and is presented with all of these weird people and situations in this world. Um, she mostly is just carrying around an automatic weapon <laughs> is pretty silent. Now we've, we've already discussed how we, we think she did an amazing job. Now, what did you think? I, I know what I think she presented to this movie. What did you take her character as being in this world? Was she supposed to be us or did she kind of have a bigger point in this world than just that? Um, I mean, I, I think it's, she was supposed to be us. She's supposed to be kind of the most grounded character so that she's someone that we can kind of attach ourselves to. She's not over the top. Uh, it feels like she's a normal person who's been thrust into this crazy world and she's just, you know, doing what she can uh, to survive and, and live in it peacefully. But she's also not really influenced by anyone who's trying to influence her either, which seems to be like everyone in this entire world is trying to change her perception as as to what her reality is. Right. I, I think she represent she she also, though, I think is supposed to represent maybe the level head, the, the, the level headed person that lives in this world, which there seems to be fewer and far between, but just kind of the on the bell curve, the middle person, the person who's in, you know, kind of down the middle going, you know what, I I'm just going to live my life and you live yours. She doesn't like the dead, but that's only because every dead person that she appeared seems to have encountered have tried to fuck her over one way or the other. <laughs> 
or yeah, or or kind of just like wastes of space. Like it's a big pity party. Like the end of the world now in Shattered Dead is a big pity party. Oh yeah, she, for everyone. She's walking down the road, and you've got all these people who who were dead who are back, but they don't have a job or anything, so they're just sitting there, you know, begging for money. Or well, what does money do? Or, what does money even mean in this world? You're not sure. You're not. You, you know, it's got to buy some groceries because I mean, she's coming home with groceries, and there's there's some gas somewhere. So, you know, society is kind of functioning. Um, and I think she's just supposed to be the common man. I think she's or the common woman, excuse me. Uh, but they're just a common person, the person who is just trying to live life, <laughs> you know, uh, in and around all these uh, other uh, extreme personalities and aspects of their, their culture. And, and she's just, I think supposed to also represent just that, that there's just these people who are just trying to live and not trying to screw you over or convince you one way or the other, that this way is right. Uh, But, you know, it's only one of her and there's a lot more of them. So it gives you the idea that, that lack of a better term, common sense or, you know, grounded in reality type of thing uh, is is getting less and less as you move along, because as she moves along, things get more and more extreme too. You know, you, you start off with the pity party block, uh, which which is nothing but people just sitting there going, "Hey," and she gets stopped by the one guy who, um, you know, wants money for whatever reason, and then it kind of takes off from there. You know, and but she also doesn't hesitate to blow someone away if they steal her gas. You know, I, I think she just represents the middle ground person trying to live there who who has their opinions, but keep them to themselves and just wants to live, you know, mm-hmm. um, live and let live, so to speak. Now, the antithesis of Susan is the preacher man mm-hmm. who is the head of this cult, as we had discussed before sees that this plight is the word of God. And we keep seeing images juxtaposed between him and one of the angels that were getting fucked in the beginning that keep going to Susan. Do you think that, because I always took Susan as being somebody who's outside of religion. Yeah. And there are sequences where she's sleeping or she's having, premonitions of this angel reaching out to her with a gun say almost never saying anything but basically speaking to her like join us mm-hmm. quit quit holding on to something that is no longer meaningful and then you have people in the real world like the preacher man who's preaching that life is not worth living anymore let go and come over to a higher realm of consciousness in a being in a world without the trappings and sin that we have been led to believe should be the, that is the real world. This is the new world order. Now the preacher man who is kind of the black to her white. What did you think about this character? This, he walks around in a trench coat with this hat and he's an older gentleman who just like goes on long monologues (laughs) in this movie. What did you think of this character? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to make of him when we first met him. You know, I thought it was kind of like a, you know, I thought they were going to kind of get a little bit 
mystical, if you will. Suddenly this guy like controls the, you know, the dead, so to speak. Like, like the zombie Lord or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, kind of like a zombie Lord or something like, Oh, okay, here we go. But then you find out it's, it's not that part of, for lack of a better term, hokey, if you will. Um, and he's not a dead person. He's a, he's a living person. So he's doing the same thing she is. But for some reason he has this hypocritical thought that it's okay for him to stay living but everyone else needs to be dead. Yeah. And, and uh, at first you th- kind of think he might be a dead person, but uh, then you realize, oh, you know, that you get that moment later on because she gets pissed at him <laughs> for it. Uh, yeah. He, he, it's interesting. He's got an interesting dynamic because he's preaching this. He is still alive. But he seems to be compelled to win this woman over, and so does the angel. But I think that's because she is resistant and not giving into their what they're selling, you know, right away. Like what it seems to be a lot of people are kind of giving in when they talk uh, to the preacher. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should die young and stay pretty forever. Yeah, that's that sounds like a good idea. Why not? Um, but she's resistant, which I think makes him pursue her more and become focused on her because I think he's a little um, conf- not confused, but curious on to why she is just so resistant to this idea when it seems like almost everyone else he's met either was already dead or wants, you know, he's convinced him to die because this is God's way. And uh, definitely an interesting character at first. Maybe I mean, you meet him. He's a little over the top, but. I think as you go along, you realize what his character is. And uh, yeah, he is a very interesting character. Uh, definitely a counter to Susan, uh, you know, because he, he's on completely the other side of the, the bell curve, if you will. Yeah, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's acted really well. I think he's a dynamic character. My interpretation of him always was that it wasn't necessarily that and I, I like what you had to say there. I think that's interesting. That presents something that I w- I maybe didn't really think about. But I always took it as to, especially when we learn in in folks, we're, when we get to our the last character I want to talk about, we're going to go into some heavy spoiler territory. So if you haven't watched Shattered Ed up until this point, please stop the podcast, come back to it, go watch Shattered Ed, because Mark and I, we're going to let the cat out of the bed. We're both going to recommend this movie highly. Yes. I know after we finished watching it, we both were like, yeah, that movie's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to sit and wait and wonder if we really liked this movie because we both did. But we're going to get into some pretty heavy spoiler territory here. So, folks, come back to the podcast. It'll wait there for you. We recommend you go watch this before you sit and get spoiled, because this is a movie I think you should go in as cold as possible because it's I mean. It's unlike anything else you're probably going to ever see. But anyways, uh, the preacher man, I always took him as somebody that in this new world order, he was maybe a person in the former life that didn't have a lot of weight given to Mm -hmm. him. He wasn't taken as seriously. And now he has power. He has a he's a charismatic voice and he hasn't given up. And because of this, because the, the dead people are kind of directionless and emotionless and kind of feel outside of themselves. Cause there's a scene later where a character talks about how he feels like he's four steps ahead of where his body is. 
and that he couldn't give an emotional response to anything if he even wanted to try. Um, that I think in this world, he finally has power and he doesn't want to give that up. And she feels to him, at least this is the way I always perceived it. She seems to him as somebody that's just not going to give in. Yeah. And he doesn't, he can't accept that he needs in this. Maybe this is some, something to be said about, you know, evangelicals that have to go out there and constantly try and bring people into religion and they can't accept anyone that has an idea outside of their own, you know, that he feels like it's his mission to win her over. So I, I, I like that where she almost, she hasn't given up, but she just doesn't give a fuck about anything outside of herself. She is somebody that just like, you know what? Everyone else can go take a fucking hike. Leave me be. I just want to live my fucking life. I don't care about all this other nonsense. I don't care about having to be a beautiful person and live on in a body where everyone finds me beautiful. I don't care about any of this religious garbage. I don't I just want to live my life where he feels that the only way that any of this means anything is if there is focus and there's and it is like a message given to him and he is the one that's going to deliver it to everyone. So it's kind of like this black and white thing that uh, that I think works so well. The preacher man and Susan in this movie to me are great counterparts and really walk this movie through for a long period. Now we get to the final act of this movie where Susan finally gets home and she gets home to her boyfriend who has, when she walks in to the apartment, she walks in and notices in the bathroom that there's a bathtub full of blood. And then she walks into the other room and her boyfriend, who is this long haired dude in a, in a robe is a good looking gent has killed himself and has drained the blood out of his system. Now, when we get into this section of the film, we start getting presented even more with this idea of the vain nature of us as people in the outward perception of who we are, not only in society, but to each other. And what does that mean? Anything now going into this, what did you think of the boyfriend character and the direction that this movie went on the back end? <laughs> uh it was an in- interesting. Uh, his character, I thought, was an ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, he's a vain piece of shit. He's a vain piece of shit. Uh, and yet you could tell she still loves him, especially after, you know, she she wants to get intimate with him. And he's like, well, we're beyond that because, you know, I'm dead. And I can't get it up. I can't get uh, it up. There's no blood. Yeah. Which, which leads to a scene that will forever etched into the back of my brain uh for like ever because <laughs> i went well that's different <laughs> and the scene is folks we kind of described it before she she's like we'll find a way to make this happen so she takes her gun and straps it to his crotch and he proceeds to fuck her with the gun yeah, just I was like, you know, of all, all the objects you have in the house to strap to your boyfriend to act as a, uh, you know, <laughs> a phallic device, you use your gun. I, I mentioned to Derek, I was like, I hope she, I hope she unloaded it. Because uh, to which I only, I only said, Mark, just keep watching, <laughs> just keep watching. 
<laughs> this you will never forget this. <laughs> no, it's but you know, and again, this I think is leading to uh, more meaning too, even though it's it's shocking and and you've got a number of video images overlaid on each other, but you can definitely tell what's going on, which it got a bit more uh, explicit than I I didn't expect them to. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I remember when I first saw this that scene being very shocking and and being very out of it wasn't out of place, but it was just out of the norm because. The, the look of the film obviously shot on video. So when you see there's actual penetration and you see it, it feels pornographic almost, almost. But because it's done in this way, kind of like York Bucharest's Necromantic, where it's it's got this traily effect and it's superimposed over a couple different shots. It's not ex, uh, it's not exploitive. There's a point to it being there. Would that be a choice that most people would make <laughs> as a filmmaker to have actual gun penetration? I don't know. I don't know. But it definitely hits you right in the chest. There's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, Mark, you weren't expecting this whatsoever. No, I well, especially because of the way this film was up until that point. I'm like, OK, they've taken some extreme scenes like the fetus and that, but none of it felt exploitive and this didn't even feel exploitive but it it had played things it had skirted around things enough at least for sexuality wise where you're just like okay and then this happens and you see that because you you don't expect that that just kind of like okay we went all the way there (laughs) you know uh but again it didn't feel like it was just thrown in there It, it did have a point um and, and yeah, it just, I was like, wow, okay, we, you know, this, this is truly an indie <laughs> underground type of shot out video film where they, yeah. And it, it's what I love about this genre is the fact of, you know, you, you get these people who, who are making the film because they want to make it, not because they're worried about whether or not they can market it because scenes like that usually prevent you from getting any type of distribution. <laughs> well, I also think it because it's buried so late in the film, maybe the distributor didn't figure anyone would care. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's got such a limited scope of what the marketplace would be for a film like this that it it was released unrated. Well, yeah. And there there was really at, at that time no regulations as to what could get into places. And I think this like went under the radar mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of maybe the chains and a lot of the other stuff to where this got on shelves and had full penetration scene. Well, I, I think, <laughs> you know, I think what helped with that, what really helped with that is the way it's done. It's, I mean, you can tell, but you you kind of it's done a little bit abstract because you have at least what three video layers in the shot, uh, two or three. You know, it, it's so at first, at least for a while, you can't even really tell. You're like, wait, wait, and then it's one of those where your eye goes, wait, did I just see what I think I saw? You, you know, so I think maybe yeah, they thought that it was obscured enough. Even though if you pay attention, you're like suddenly, oh, you know, but they might have thought it was obscure enough to where they could they could still, you know, 
market the film and, and not be worried rather than just having it presented to you like in any old you know adult film where it's right there yeah like a porno yeah, like a porno yeah you know here it's done you know a, a more artistically as tastefully as yeah as tastefully as you can get i mean i'm sure you've probably had the weirdest boner of your entire <laughs> life while you watch that Mark. i will say some unusual conflictions started playing in my head yes <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wait, should I should I touch my winner? Should wait, I not touch wait, my how am I supposed to feel about I this? Hear. I mean, it just you know, it's like, uh, well, you know, for for lack of a better term, she 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 is rather attractive, and, and but wait, how am I supposed to feel? Wait, it's a gun, but wait, it's her dead husband. Wait, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about. This. It takes it takes that kiss song love gun right to another level. It really does. It's no longer a metaphor; it's literal. <laughs> it's yeah so it was it was surprising it didn't feel exploitive it felt it had a purpose uh but it is something that once you see it and you realize what that is going on in there uh yeah you it's it's like wow okay and it felt a little out of place if you take in regards to the whole movie but into the situation that leads up to that scene it it works well and what happens subsequently yeah. after yeah. that it, it it does i mean it does show that you know she's willing to put up with a lot and she's accepted the fact that he's dead um and that she wants the life that she wants and if it means this is what it's got to be she's going to make that work now after that point he has different plans for her and I'm going to say it again, folks. This is going to be super heavy spoilery, so please don't. I mean, it's basically getting ruined for you at this point. But Mark and I have to talk about this because the way this movie ends is it has a lot to speak to the rest of the film and what led up to it. I mean, it is kind of the point of everything that we're watching here is that he all of a sudden after they have sex. He drugs her. Without her knowing. And wants her to die in the form that she is so that they can both live on with each other looking the way they do forever. And he, even though he feels extreme guilt for having went against her wishes, because obviously they must have had a pact at some point. Yeah. Where they had decided, you know what, we're not going to give up. We're going to live on and have the life that I think we can have. And when she gets back and he's dead. That completely changes and his idea of everything now that he's dead and he knows what this is has changed and he wants her to be on the same level as he is. So he unwillingly gives her poisoned milk to kill her so that she can be with him. But he she does not want anything to do with it after she finds out. But it's too late. Yeah. So there's a big hostage situation where she's threatening him, like, give me water so I can puke this out. I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. And if you do not give me what I want, I'm going to blow my brains out and you're going to have to live with me with a big hole in my head forever. And obviously he doesn't want that because he doesn't want to get shot either. He's like, well, do you really want me to be somebody you're going to have to I'm I'm going to have to be helped for the rest of my life where you're going to shoot out my spine. Do you really want that forever for eternity? So there's like this, this weird battle that's going on between these two people. Um, Mark, 
this whole final sequence where we have this battle between her and her boyfriend, between life and death, between whether or not what who we are means anything on a physical level or if it's just, you know, we should be happy being with somebody that we we love. How did you think this played out when she kicks him out the window and he's fucking just splattered across the fucking pavement and then she ends up ultimately dying and then coming back and it completely not being what she wanted? What did you what did you think when how this ended like this final act? Uh, It was it was bittersweet because freaking hippies. Uh, This dude was. (laughs) What are you referring to here, Mark? Her, her boyfriend, a freaking hippie. <laughs> the way the way he was presented and everything, I just he, he reminded me of like some guy from the from you know who never got away from Woodstock. But uh, boy, know. boy, man, check that privilege at the door, Mark. You're being <laughs> you, you you being against hippies. Well, I'm strong not, politics here on Astro Radio Z. <laughs> I'm not against hippies at all. I'm just saying this guy was an ass, <laughs> and he looked like a hippie. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting how it ended. I, I did not quite expect it that way. I was, I was kind of hoping it not to, because you, even though she doesn't have a lot of dialogue and you follow her all the way through all of this, uh, you, you, you don't want something bad to happen to her. You really don't. They, they make, they, they really establish it. So that, so when this does happen, you know, and she tosses him out the window and then and then she ultimately when she fell asleep, I'm like, ah, shit, I knew that was, you know, they were just talking about her going to sleep. Then she gets up and like, ah, crap. So she is she is dead now. Um, Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting way to wrap it up. Uh, it still maintained the theme that the dead are assholes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think a big theme is consequence. Well, yeah, is the consequences yeah. of all of our actions, especially in the scene where they're sitting on the couch and he's explaining, you know, how everything came to him slitting his wrists. Right. And it was mostly because he's st- I don't know if he was communing with the dead or what or once you're dead. Now you have like this group consciousness with other dead beings like she they have a conversation where he had been talking to his mother who had been cremated. So how was that possible? So does that mean everything that's ever been dead is now alive in some form? I mean, it was a lot of really weird ideas that all of a sudden got thrown at you at the end because the entire movie I kept thinking is like, OK, so these people are fucked up. Why can't you just burn them? Yeah, well, wouldn't that eliminate all of that? Yeah, they they had that though. They actually have a that bit on the radio though when she's driving, where they are talking about people coming out of their graves. Right, and we have that one zombie that comes back. Obviously, had come out of his grave because he looked like one like one of the like the tomb of the blind dead, like almost like a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And he was walking around and stuff. Yeah, and then like you said, they do the whole talk about the cremation thing. He had a conversation with her, and she was cremated. It's like, well, holy crap! That mean everybody came back that means uh, even spirits are now walking around that like there's ghosts yeah of people because he's like get he talks about have getting calls from people that shouldn't be calling him yep yeah uh, it's it's some interesting things that you get hit with at the end and also i mean we're talking when was this made uh 94 94 
I hope I'm not reaching here, but we get to this scene where she has sex with her boyfriend and then he he ends up poisoning her with milk um and she ends up dying and he didn't give her a choice and i my brain immediately thought especially when this came up i'm like are we touching also on the theme of oh i don't know you know passing on say aids uh to someone at that point cuz she talks about not having a choice uh, yeah, and and I mean the metaphor is there. There's, you know. That's definitely there. Okay, good. I wasn't just. I wasn't just. I mean, it. obviously, the idea of being fucked with a, a loaded with a weapon, right? And then and then afterwards, finding out. Well, yeah. By the way, I didn't give you a choice. You're gonna die now. Uh, we're the same, but now we can live together and, and be like this. And we'll, you know. Uh, so there's that that theme that it touches on, and and yeah, it it hits you with a lot of stuff near the end. Whenever when she walks into that room with her boyfriend, things really start uh, getting thrown at you. But I but I liked that, and and this ending though was just bittersweet because you, you'd follow her through all this. You, she's a character that you I think a lot of people can relate to while watching this, and then suddenly she, and you care about and you care yeah. about definitely yeah you care about, and then she has this thing happen to her with one person because she lives in a world of people trying to con her and and screw her over and everything, uh, and people she can't trust. She gets home to the one guy, one person. She thinks she can trust, and he screws her over, literally and figuratively. Um, and yeah, that just that stings at the end. You feel her her sting that it's like, well, crap. You know what what's she gonna do now? And I picture the next film to be just this action film of her going through and just shredding people left. <laughs> <laughs> Of <laughs> just creating this massive pile of gore with a wood chipper and saying, "There, sort it out yourselves, assholes." Uh, <laughs> I, I almost at the end of the day, I could be really reaching here, but I almost think this is very much speaking towards, um, kind of the sexism in our world, mm-hmm. you know, and the, all the how she constantly is undermined by male presence through the entire film, you know, and tried to be exploited at every single turn and given no respect at every single turn. And then when she gets home to the person she loves, that person doesn't even respect her in any way, shape or form. So there's just, there's a lot of, this is an onion that you could, (laughs) you could peel over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, shattered dead is, I may be being a bit hyperbolic here in general about this movie, but I want to be. I I really love this movie. This is probably one of my favorite horror films and one of my favorite underground shot on video films for sure. I mean, is it as fun as a redneck zombies? Oh, fuck no. There's none of that energy here, even though funny enough. And Mark, I I pointed this out to Mark after we had been done. I'm like, Mark, did you notice who did the effects work on this movie? And he's like, no, I I didn't quite catch it because maybe, you know, once it's done, you you had shut your brain off. It's like, I'm not reading these credits. The effects man was Pericle Loons, the director of Redneck Zombies. 
So it shows how incestuous this little shot on video world is, really. But uh, it doesn't have that energy whatsoever. This is a very dour, depressing, dark film. So if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely dig into Shatter Dead. I give it 100% thumbs up. Biggest recommendation that I can give you for any of these shot on video movies. I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, please give this a chance. If you're looking for with shot on video, if you don't like that and you can't get over the hurdles of some of the technical limitations, maybe the spotty acting or whatnot, and you don't like maybe a slower paced film, you just can't get into it. You can't take it seriously. Shattered Dead is not going to be for you. It really is not. I mean, even though it's a really short and breezy, I believe it's only like 70 minutes, 77 yeah, minutes, something like that. This movie is slower paced and it's very talky. And it's much more about the thematic ideas that it's presenting than it is about all the shock scenes and the gore, which are plentiful. But at the same time, as I said before, the first time I saw this, it didn't hit me because I think I was expecting something than what I got. But if you walk into it thinking that, you know what, I'm going to get something that's a bit more metaphorical than a literal film. I think you're going to dig this. Mark, what are your final thoughts with Shattered Ed? It's it's yeah, it's one of those films where if you're looking for if you're looking for a shot on video horror film that's not trying to be sticky or hokey or haha tongue in cheek or hey, we got a camera, we're just going to do that. If you're looking for some, a, a shot on video film, if you can get over the aesthetic, as we've mentioned before with all of these uh, of the shot on video aesthetic, but you're looking for a, a film that's a serious film, it's done seriously, taken seriously. And it's just really good, especially considering what type of film it is. Sea Shattered Dead. It 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 blew me away. It really impressed me. And and Derek mentions that it's talky. Yes, there are talking scenes in here, but we've seen them. Uh, in fact, we've watched a couple just recently. You know where you get where one person just dumps dialogue. I mean, they just dump exposition endlessly, endlessly dump the exposition. That'll um, be a future episode, folks. We'll be talking about that really soon. We, we, I, I promise you, you, you know, um, but this one, even the talky parts are edited and handled well. They are done like your bigger budgeted films. There's multiple angles uh multiple cuts during conversations you get two shots you get it's more of conversational than just i am person with information i will now relate to the audience which you know if done in short bursts isn't bad but it, yeah it, you know the, the conversations dialogues are handled correctly and visually it keeps you interested uh there's a lot of things i think that will surprise you for the type of film and when this was made uh, that, yeah, I, I can't, I couldn't recommend it enough. If, if someone said, Hey, what's a shot on video film that, but it's not like a comedy horror or anything. I'd say shattered dead, watch it. It's got themes. It's got care in the script and the story. And it'll leave you at the end going, you know, I may have to watch it again. Cause I think I missed something. Well, it definitely asks you to watch it again. Yeah. Cause I think there's a lot to process in this movie. So I it has enough of the exploitive elements in it that the gore hounds and the people looking for that kind of stuff in the shot on video will be satisfied. Yes. But then for the people that are looking for a little bit more, holy shit, 
This is this is a game changer. This movie. Yes, I'm being totally hyperbolic here, but I want to be. This movie's awesome. I love it. Go see it. So there you have it. Shattered Ed, folks, we're going to continue with the shot on video horror films going through 2018. So please, if you have any recommendations out there for shot on video horror films that you'd like us to uh, cover here on Astro Radio Z, please reach out. Get a hold of me on the Twitter. There's an Astro Radio Z Twitter or get a hold of me on the Facebook group, Facebook page or email me at Astro Radio Z podcast at gmail.com. Mark and I will watch just about anything. Okay, I'm going to put a caveat on that. I'm not watching no pornos. I only have one episode a year where I have to endure fucking porno, which I'm going to which I'm going to have to go and, and try to dig through and find ones we haven't covered yet for next. Year. Oh, Mark. Oh, yeah. What a pit. Let's get the, the smallest violin for Mark, the movie man out because he's going to have to really sit and rack his brain about, oh, what porn parodies are we going to have to watch? Not like you don't have 20 off the top of your head. <laughs> Well, there's porn parodies, but there's horror porn parodies are a little bit. Uh, All right. All right. Bootleg Scott Davis. Don't play. We've already let that that cat out of the bag. You don't got to play games with me, Mark. I know better. I know better. Actually, it's just a matter of going through what we've already covered. So I don't double up. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a better answer, Mark. That's a better answer. So. Go ahead, get a hold of us, throw shot on video recommendations at us, and we'll cover them here on the show because I have a feeling this may be a reoccurring thing. I know we've been doing at least one a month, Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll just keep going. And if you guys want to keep hearing us talk about shot on video stuff, let us know. We, I gladly will sit and watch shot on video horror films any day of the week. I love this stuff. So anyways, this is the portion of the show where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you, Mark the Movie Man. Have at it and show <laughs> specialmarkproductions.com for all your movie man needs. Uh, you can go there and there's links to my other stuff. There's links to the spoiler room podcast, uh, links to my YouTube page. You can find me on the twits at special mark pro. I'm on the Instagram as well. Special mark prod. Uh, you get the idea and the theme. So check it out. Yeah. I just posted actually, uh, when we're recording this uh, for two weeks, I'm getting some people's opinions. We've got a special series coming up. I didn't mean to do a special series on my podcast every year, but we do one every year where we do them uh, one special uh, kind of like the shot on video where it's a specific uh, theme over the course of the 12 months, one a month. And this year it's going to be, it came from the fifties. We're covering fifties monster films. So you can actually uh, just help us decide which ones we're going to cover. So you can do that at specialmarkproductions.com. There's a link right there for you to vote on which uh, 50s monster films we're going to talk about next year. Top 12 will, of course, be the ones we talk. think maybe the next shot on video uh, episode we'll do is leave Jonker's Darkness, Mark. So let's get a hold of Doc and let's let's put this together. Folks, get ready. That's going to be a doozy and a half one. But that's it for today on Astro Radio Z. So until next time. Please, if you see Mark with a gun by his crotch, walk the fuck away. Mark, you got to stop doing that. You're creeping me the fuck out. No, I will not fuck you, no matter how much you ask. It's a long barrel. It's a long barrel. It's not that long, folks. Good night. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, 
and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. Let's go.